Welcome to Masterminds and Maintenance, a podcast for those with new ideas and maintenance. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. Each week, I'll be meeting with a guest who's had an idea for how to shake things up in the maintenance and reliability industry. Sometimes the idea failed, sometimes it made their business more successful, and other times their idea revolutionized an entire industry. Today, I'm super excited. We've got Cliff Williams here on the show. Cliff is a wealth of knowledge in the maintenance and reliability space. Cliff currently is the principal advisor on maintenance and reliability at People and Processes, a global consulting and educational service firm focused on the full spectrum of physical asset management. He's also a member of the Board of Directors for the Plant Engineering and Maintenance Association of Canada. Welcome to the show, Cliff. I'm really excited to have you as a guest here on the podcast and learn from you. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh... I'm looking forward to talking and uh, probably learning from you. There's so many different ways that we could both learn from each other. Uh, why don't we kick it off in the way that we always do is, you know, start by sharing a little bit more about yourself, your background, and how you got introduced and started into this space and this wonderful niche of maintenance and reliability. I am a principal advisor with People and Processes. I am also the corporate maintenance manager for a Canadian chemical manufacturer. And I've worked in uh, numerous sectors from all facets of steel making through to Coca-Cola, you know, from steel to the cans, problems, the challenges, and, and uh, the opportunities that uh, we face are all exactly the same. I started out a long time ago. It was in the days when maintenance really wasn't a science. We would install equipment, and if it was important enough, we would install equipment next to it so that when one broke, we would start the other one up and we would run with it. Then in the mid-70s, uh, I, I decided to take a new adventure. Uh, there was this wonderful thing called a computer. I helped implement what was one of the very first computerized maintenance management systems. The computer was the size of a semi-truck. So yeah, uh, times have changed. I'm kind of curious what that looked like, and I might have to go Google some pictures right after this, Cliff. <laughs> so Cliff, I mean, you've seen so much over the past few years. Now, you, I know you've dedicated a, a big portion of, of your career to, you know, people and process. I'm curious, you know, what are some processes, procedures that a maintenance organization must have in place to enable their team to bring their best to work every single day. And I'm also curious on the flip side of that, what have you seen in your experience really hold maintenance reliability teams back? Whatever uh, processes or procedures that you have, they've got to be aligned so that you're, you're having one system that is supporting another system, is supporting another system, that all of the processes and the procedures are supporting each other. And they, in turn, need to be in support of the organization's strategic objectives. The processes and the procedures are important, but it's what is going on, the culture and the rationale that's going on behind those processes and procedures that actually is going to determine whether they're going to be successful or they're not going to be successful. If you're telling people that they're empowered, engaged, and to take the role, then the procedures and the, and the processes have to support that. And what are the norms for the organization? You want them to exhibit the behaviors that are going to make you successful. And what's going to drive that are going to be your processes and procedures 
to come up with you know a list of processes and procedures that all organizations require makes the uh, the mistake of assuming that all organizations are the same and it really it's the culture side of things that will help decide which policies which procedures which processes you have in place I think the challenge that we've heard, though, is like, what are some like tactical things that we can drive empowerment to drive this kind of, of positive culture that we want? The culture and, and driving the empowerment, it's all about behaviors. So you need to take a look at what your goals are, understanding very clearly how you can achieve those goals, and then understanding what parts the different people play in that. Leaders are afraid to delegate. Authority is perhaps the biggest challenge of all. People get into a leadership role and they think, yes, you know, leadership, that involves taking authority. That's, uh, you know, I'm the guy that takes authority. Uh, why? If there is someone else that can do what you are doing without, you know, a great deal of training, without a great deal of, of, of you know, changes, why not allow them to do it? We have to show through our norms and our behaviors that we believe that these people are capable of doing it and that they, we will empower them. Uh, and delegation is not dumping. It's just making sure that the team has the authority to do what they need to do to move the problem forward. Are you getting in the way? Or are you enabling that people move forward? That as a leader, you will always be responsible for, for the team. There may be course corrections. There may be, you know, we have to say, okay, that one tried and that one failed. But again, if it's someone fails in, in, you know, during empowerment, is that a bad thing? It's not a really great thing. But again, if you don't take the risks and you don't take these, make these changes, then you'll never fail. That's great. But you also won't improve. What if I am, you know, a maintenance technician? I, I'm a, you know, welder at, at my company. What are ways and opportunities for me to also try to drive more empowerment of myself as an individual contributor? And you allow those opportunities to take on a stronger role, say, in projects. Give them responsibility for areas. The way we did it was to divide our plant up into certain areas and give that group in that area responsibility for that area. They would be involved in planning rather than I would be involved in planning. I would still oversee all of this. It's taking and expanding their roles rather than saying, okay, you're a welder, so you weld. No, you're a welder, you solve problems. That's what you do for me. I don't want a welder. I want someone that's going to solve our problems. Most people think that communication is talking. It's not, you know, communication is talking. It's listening. It's giving feedback on that listening. It's giving feedback on the feedback on the listening and everything like that and building that up so that the people feel involved. So that's the welder there, he can feel comfortable in saying, okay, this is what I'd like to talk about. You know, have we ever thought about this, Cliff? I think that's a great, very like tactical thing that, that our listeners could really take on, which is, you know, instead of calling people by what they might do on a 90% basis of their time, you give them that empowerment responsibility of, you know, fixing problems and maybe they're problem solver for a particular, you know, piece of the plan. I'm also curious, you know, obviously you've seen so much change happen over the past few decades in this space. 
Where do you see technology fitting in? Is technology helpful? Is it necessary? Is it a deterrence to driving process and positive change? Technology definitely has a part to play in this. We're in a position where you can take data, convert it into information. You can take that information, convert it into knowledge. You can take that knowledge and make it into an understanding. And then you can take that understanding and build it into wisdom. When you're working from a position of communal wisdom, where all the change is easier, people understand, they can see the reality, whether it be the conditioner of equipment, whether it be communication tools. We can show the welder how by solving his problems, he's actually affecting the performance of our department and how the performance of our department is affecting the performance of our organization. That now becomes a lot easier because of technology, AI and IIoT. But again, it's going to change the playing field, but it's also going to bring its own challenges as we take that welder and we show him how IIoT or AI and all of these things can help him solve those problems. But technology has, has got a tremendous part to play in this. We obviously believe that technology has a big role to play as well, but we also know that you know people are the core and the crux of everything that goes on in a plant. You know, Cliff, something that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting was like, be okay with change, be okay with failure, but don't you know, tolerate too much failure. So, so now I kind of get into the, we get into this like balancing act of like demanding excellence, like striving for the best, striving to set like a really high bar, but also like play this balance of it's okay to make mistakes too. So I'm curious if you have any tips, advice, suggestions on me as a leader trying to manage a team, say like the bar's up here, we got to strive for excellence, but you know, it's okay if we make some mis mistakes along the way. Maybe I said it a little bit wrong when I say it's okay to make the mistakes along the way. It, it's okay if you make the mistakes for the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there, there are some people who would uh, make mistakes just because they have not participated, they have not been interested, they have not tried to learn and all of those things. But it keeps coming back to how do we enable them to make at least the right informed decisions to the best level that they can. If people do that, that's all you can expect of them. If it's wrong, it's wrong. It's a great learning experience when people talk about accountability, you know. So if they do something wrong, hold them accountable. Have a learning experience. Why didn't that work? Why didn't that succeed? What did we miss out? And it's we, it's not you. It's not what did you miss out, it's what did we miss out? I'm the person whose role is to enable you and empower you and inform you and give you the tools to be successful. You're not accepting failure. You're understanding why you failed and how you can move forward. And again, it's back to relationships. You know, do they trust you enough to, to take these risks and fail? Yeah. And do they trust you that you will come back and you will build on that? Not that it will be a blame issue. Not that it will be a, oh, let's point fingers at. No, it's okay. We failed. This is what we're going to do different next time. And hopefully we're going to succeed. Uh, it's all about that, that relationship and, and having uh, that understanding with the team so that they feel it's, 
that they feel it's okay to fail. Not not being happy about it, but at least feeling that it's not going to be in our repercussions because I failed. As long as I do, as long as I make an informed decision and the, the most informed that I can, yeah, okay. I love that perspective. Internally, we've got this idea of you know, progress over perfection. It's about making progress every single step of the way. It's not about doing everything to 100% perfection every single time. It's just that, you know, like you mentioned, we make mistakes for the right reasons. We learn from them and we get better the next time around. To kind of wrap things up, you know, what's one thing that you wish more people knew about in the main maintenance and reliability space? I don't know if it's people don't know, but I think people forget and it just we keep using this word all the time, but it's about people. They have lives outside of work. They will be your best tradesman who's really helpful today, maybe a pain tomorrow because his basketball team lost. Not that teams from Toronto lose, but um, <laughs> we, we, we're okay here. But no, there are things that upset people. They are people change. It's about understanding the people because they are going to help you succeed. The equipment's not going to help you succeed. I've worked with some very, very complex equipment, but I've worked with more complex people. And <laughs> it really is understanding those people and, and understanding how you can help them succeed. Because without their success, you're not getting any. What are some different ways that our listeners can follow you and connect with you uh, and learn more from you, Cliff? You can follow me on LinkedIn. You can reach me at peopleandprocesses.com. Cliff C. Williams at peopleandprocesses.com. Very active in various podcasts, websites, everything like that. Um, I can be reached at cliff at tmsassetmanagement.com. I can be reached through PMAC, the Canadian Asset Management organization pretty much anywhere i'm there or thereabouts so. <laughs> all right well i'm looking forward to seeing you at the next smrp conference or yes. maybe even one sooner as well cliff thank you so much for joining us thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's masterminds of maintenance my name again is ryan i'm the ceo and founder of upkeep you can also connect with me on linkedin or directly at ryan at onupkeep.com. You can also find me in the maintenance community on LinkedIn. It's the largest online community for maintenance professionals around the world, where we host weekly conversations, contests, all centered around maintenance. Thanks again, Cliff. I hope to connect with you again you know, very, very soon. Until next time, thanks again. Thank you very much, Ryan. Bye now. <laughs>